0: CCG Media presents High Tech Sunday. On today's special episode of High Tech Sunday, we bring you a conversation with Rayondin Kennedy and Teresa Jordan that delves into the history of the horrific Tulsa Race Massacre that took place 100 years ago on May 31st, 1921. This conversation originally took place in 2020. But with President Joe Biden and the White House officially recognizing May 31st as a day of remembrance for the Tulsa Race Massacre, we felt the importance of bringing this story of survival and growth back to the forefront. And without further delay, High Tech Sunday, featuring Rayondin Kennedy and Teresa Jordan.
1: My name is Rihanna Kennedy, and I am sitting here with Tulsa historian, Miss Teresa Jordan. Miss Teresa, how are you doing?
2: Doing great. How are you today?
1: Hi, I can't complain. <laughs> so, Teresa, I understand that you're a historian in Tulsa. Can you tell me about your role.
2: Well, I belong to the historic Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church, which is located at 307-30. 311 North Greenwood. Uh, it was founded in 1905. It was destroyed during the 1921 race ride. It's, as I, I wanna make sure that I say this plainly and get it correct. Mm-hmm. Greenwood. A lot of people talk about Greenwood because that's the name of a street, but Greenwood was a community. And that whole community was bombed. But as far as the street itself, it is the only structure that's still there that was there during the 1921 race riot on the Greenwood Street. Mm -hmm. There are other buildings in that Greenwood district. I was born into that church. I go back six generations starting with my uh, grandmother, all the way down to some of our great-grandchildren are members of that church. I know a lot of history, I'm 73 years old. So basically I've been at that church for maybe I'm gonna say five years and that's being generous. The times that I was in Germany, or in other countries or different places with my children or grandchildren. Other than that, that's been my home. That's where I was raised. That's who we are. I want people to know that Vernon AME Church is the building that our church was housed in. And 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 it was a family church, connected church. It was like a village, being raised by a village. Mm -hmm. And that legacy is, I don't want people to just remember the greatness of Vernon or Wall Street was not the 1921 race riot. It didn't start with it. The history did not end with it. It is just something that happened to us. Mm -hmm. The greatness was already there. We were already a thriving community, had our own businesses. Uh, we were known all over the world for the success of a black community. So I don't want the young people to think that this is what we're all about. This is what we're known for. Mm-hmm. Nah, we've had, uh, in this church alone, Within those 73 years that I belong, uh, there was a minister by the name of Ben H. Hill. Reverend Ben H. Hill came to Vernon. I was born in 1946. He came in 1949. Um, During the time that he was there, we owned in that church. We had a credit union. He ended up being a state legislator. His picture hangs in the Capitol right now. After he retired from the ministry, he became a legislator, one of the first blacks. And we also, he lobbied for uh affordable housing. Our church even owned Vernon Manor, which was for low-income housing, and that was owned by the church. Mm-hmm. There's just so many firsts in that church, the history of it. This is not the first time that uh, the history of the 1921 race riot is out there. Mm -hmm. If you Google a lady by the name of Addie Faye Gates, there are several uh, books that she has written. She lived in this community she actually talked to survivors of the 1921 race riot it's, it, it's amazing the history that's in there so we want to preserve that history i had a cousin that lives in uh chicago and actually her name is edith taborn edith and i about maybe about, I want to say, 10 plus years, decided that we wanted to preserve our history. Because I don't know if you're familiar with the term, the oral history of the South. Mm-hmm. The oral history is exactly what it says. It's oral. And it's a lot of things in there that you would know, but you wouldn't find it written in a book.
1: Mm-hmm. That's, was, how, that's how most stories were told back then, you know, through it, word yes, of mouth.
2: Exactly. And and you didn't tell it to everybody, and there were different reasons why you didn't tell it to everybody. Some of the people um, after the race ride, they left Oklahoma. Some of them were killed. There were mass graves, but there were also people that fought. A lot of people think that when the race ride took, uh, the massacre took place, that we just sit there, and and it just happened and we didn't do anything about it that's not true mm-hmm. we had soldiers and uh veterans that had guns and there were a lot of white people that warned us of what was happening mm-hmm. there was a lady that was a member of our church that was a survivor named mrs benise sims she is in the book in the book that miss gates has, she interviewed these survivors, they told their stories. One of the things that she told, and it's a story that many other uh, Blacks during that time tell as well, the white people that her parents worked for came and warned them that there was going to be a, a massacre, mm-hmm. a riot. That's what they use, and out of respect, I use that phrase, riot, that um, they needed to get out. So they packed their bags and they left and went to another state until it was over. When they came back, of course, their homes had been bombed, but they didn't lose their lives. You even had uh, white people that came and got the people that they worked uh, for them and took them to the quarters that they had on their property in order to keep them from dying. And even though it was segregated, as it wasn't segregation, as we know it, that the segregation law came after that. But the law was that if a certain percentage of people moved into a neighborhood first, that the other race couldn't. But if it was stagnated, then you found that there were black white people living among the blacks in the Greenwood district as well. A lot of people did not die because of that, because when the uh, rioters or looters or whatever you want to call them showed up and they were told, no, this is my house and I'm white, Mm -hmm. they passed that house by. And because of that, a lot of Black people did not get killed because they were in those homes. Mm -hmm and sheltered and so it was many reasons why you didn't talk and tell because first of all if you just had something that devastating to happen to you no one told you if there was going to be a second round Mm -hmm. coming so people didn't talk about it at the mount zion baptist church they set it on fire if you go and google the right you'll see their church burning. uh, It took them three times to go in there to set it on fire because the people that came in there to do it, the way it was situated, they saw them coming and they shot back and defended themselves and killed a lot of people. Of course, you in fear of your life, you don't want to kill anybody. Yeah, I killed a bunch of white people when they came in and they tried to destroy us. And so for various reasons. People didn't talk about it. Then you had a lot of, like I said, a lot of white people that helped. They didn't want to talk about it. If they talked about it, their lives were in danger because they would kill them. You're not going to tell somebody, "Oh, I went in and I went back and I helped those black people, colored people, whatever we were that day mm-hmm. at that time they called us." And um, so, but we were taught. It it hurts me when I hear people say. I, I've never heard about it. Yeah. Now you have little children coming that are young enough to be my grandchildren or great-grandchildren saying, oh, yes, we were. We were taught about it. Mrs. Watkins and Mr. Freeman taught us about it in elementary school. Mr. Freeman and Mrs. Watkins were members of my church. Yeah. Now I feel really good to find out that they did teach it, but you just didn't go you didn't have the internet you didn't have that mentality that you have to tell everything that you do well you,
1: teresa I, I i can say that i actually i've i didn't learn about black wall street or the Tulsa riots probably it was probably about a good maybe five six years ago because i know um you know i've, I've done several articles uh uh, and i've I've learned uh, a lot about it once I knew that you know this event took place. but I also learned that the government, once this happened, tried to bury bury this issue. They tried to act like it didn't happen. I know they underreported deaths. Uh, and I know that they were afraid that if word got out that this massacre took place and they burned down this this uh, this uh, uh, thriving city, that it would stop people from coming because uh, what was I think it was oil or gold uh, at that time, the gold rush or the oil rush. Wow uh
2: it shouldn't have stopped them from coming because of the location and it was it was in a box
1: Mm
2: -hmm. you understand it was in a box but the good thing about uh they were trying to keep us from rebuilding right but it backfired on them because the brickyard and the businesses that they had that where they would come in order to rebuild it was in Greenwood district. And at first they were trying to keep us from rebuilding until they realized that they had to come there to get the stuff that they needed to rebuild. Mm-hmm. Of course, most of your labor and your work was done by Blacks. So that caused them to uh, rethink that. We're gonna stop you from building because it was in our community. I can tell you about Vernon. Vernon was rebuilt brick by brick. I have some of the documents and uh, 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 bulletins or brochures that they put out where uh, $5 back then was a lot of money. Mm -hmm. $5, $10, uh, different members of the church, different people in the community, they bought a brick. So brick by brick, they rebuilt that district. The Greenwood district was rebuilt at least three different times. We had so many uh, grocery stores, laundromats, everything we needed was in, within that community. And people have to understand that even though the Greenwood district was destroyed there was a whole district other districts around us for the north so there were a whole even though those businesses in the green street district the people that supported it that used it that put money into it they had not been destroyed their jobs weren't messed up their places of business weren't messed up So you still have that money coming back into that community to help rebuild it. Mm -hmm. That's the story that I would like to get out to show how we, even our church, which was founded by Richard Allen, an ex-slave, before it became, he was the first bishop and founder of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, uh, Richard Allen. But before that, he and Absalom Jones and other ministers started what they called the Freedmen Society. And then the Freedmen Society's job was to teach ex slaves how to function in a world that they, and do things that they had never had to do before. They we weren't responsible for the food we bought, uh, that we ate. We weren't responsible for having to worry about paying for lodging, starting a business, running a business. So before he even concentrated on, that was a part of the church, was that frees society, to teach us how to function and live. So you have Vernon Army Church right down there on Greenwood, under the auspices of the African Methodist Episcopal Church, with the same, teaching the same skills doing the same thing that they did coming out of slavery. So because of the rich heritage and the history that they had, that they came out of, it was a blueprint print on how to rebuild and how to function Mm -hmm. in the state that we were in. I'm I'm just excited and in in love with it. I, I want people to know how we made it through the bridge that brought us over. Don't forget those people. And like I said, there are books out there. You, This this lady ended up uh, being a historian. And, and as a matter of fact, she was commissioned under President Bill Clinton to do everything that they're doing now, the research of the 1921 race right now. I don't know whether people didn't, a lot of people didn't just embrace it like they should because see, a lot of people were still fearful. They still are. I talked to a lady that was gonna help us to archive it. And one of the things that she warned us about is there are people that will give you interviews and don't get upset with them when they tell you, you cannot publish this until I'm dead. Or two years, or the information that I got came from people that says, as long as I'm living, don't you tell it one of the the gentlemen that tells about the mass grave by a police officer showing him where a mass grave was was told you better not ever reveal any of this until I'm gone and sure enough, when he died, they told about it. There was a newscaster that um uh, He's, he's white, and he is also in her book. And he tells about how his father, and they were told not to tell it because they feared for their life. It wasn't so much as a cover up because they had newspaper articles about it. Oklahoma City, uh, you can find those articles in the archives now, where they talked about the the massacre of the race and I don't ride, and I don't know if you understand that there's a law and if i'm not mistaken that law is still on the book you remember the watts riots right yes and how they went into their own neighborhoods well there is there was a federal law passed that if your neighborhood was destroyed by a riot then your insurance company did not have to pay for it so a lot of that was um and, and they called it a riot, and I and I think this there's a lot to do with them trying to take that out of there. It, it wasn't a riot in the sense of the reason why they started that law. Because if you go into your own neighborhood and you burning up and tearing up your own stuff and rioting and looting, no, we're not gonna cover you. Mm-hmm. I'll pay for it. So if you gotta get out of the notion that this is a massacre. It's not a riot. It wasn't people in our own community that just did that amongst themselves Mm -hmm. on black crime, if you will. It was basically what they called a massacre. Mm -hmm. Now I had a hard time uh, with changing the name, me dealing with it, Mm -hmm. because I believe that words matter. Absolutely. Wanted to be true to my grandparents and the people that i know that lived through it and not just change okay they're gone they're not here and now i'm just going to change the name you have to do some education to and educate people as to why you're changing it why you want to get that mindset out because when you say it was a riot what comes into your head is people in their own community tearing up their own stuff and not people to pay
1: for it and that wasn't the case teresa i want to take a step
2: back and and talk about
1: uh uh the massacre right? because like you like you said they call it the the Tosa race riots now but it wasn't a riot it was a all-out uh massacre yes. uh slaughter bombing i know uh they use uh vintage world war one planes and i think that might yes, still be uh Unless you count nine eleven, might be the 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 only uh air attack on U.S. soil in history today. Um, exactly. So I know I know it's a big deal, but uh, can you can you kind of I don't want to I don't want to make this uh harp on this, but uh, can you kind of just walk us through uh the events of of the massacre, and then we can talk about the the rebuilding and the restructuring and the legacy that that uh Greenwood, Oklahoma. <laughs> uh has today
2: sure um there was a young gentleman by the name of dick Rowland, and a young lady a young girl by the name of sarah page it is a part of the oral history and it's it has been written as well that dick Rowland and sarah page were friends during that time you could not as a matter of fact, they were more than friends. There is uh I'm not going to call it a rumor because to me, it belittles the benigns uh, it is a part of the his oral history that Dick Rowland and Sarah Page actually dated. There are people that knew them both personally, and they're saying that there is a document that shows later on that they actually got married. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's, like I said, it's a part of the old history, but it's definitely documented and 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 told that they were friends, they knew each other. Well, they were on an elevator together and uh, a white lady, uh, someone saw him and started screaming. So you had all of this going on about them being together, they're not supposed to be going together, which people did, and it always caused a, a problem when they did. But um the thing that really sparked off the the violence was that uh when they went down to the courthouse and was fighting about getting Dick rolling out of jail, there were some black soldiers or vets veterans who had guns and one of the uh white people white men down there said use the n-word and asked him what are you doing with that gun and he said well i'm going to use it if i have to and he told him no you're not going to use it today they got into an argument that, and they it actually got into a tussle and the gun went off and shot the white gentleman and that's what really pushed it over the edge as far as them bombing and shooting that that gave them the ammunition to do what they wanted to do or mm-hmm. what, that's what pushed it cuz you yeah. know it was no right or wrong for a black man to shoot a white man regardless mm-hmm. back in the day you know the matter if somebody sit there and saw it and was bold enough to speak out against it, it would still be hard for you to get a conviction. Even if they found them guilty, they may still may not have done anything to them. But because of that incident, that just sent the whole thing off into the big, it just escalated into this big massacre. Mm-hmm. Where they're organizing, you know, of course, uh i know you did the, play the little game where you sit in a circle and you whisper it in somebody's ear mm-hmm. by the time it got back around you it was nothing like well you can imagine it's called telephone yeah exactly you mm-hmm. can imagine what happened and that's exactly what happened by the time the truth came out the damage had done yeah and just like right now when you watch the people at the Juneteenth and they asked them why were they down there, everybody had a different reason. Mm-hmm. Some people didn't even know why they were down there, but they had been just souped up. Mm-hmm. You know, they came for good reasons. They, in their mind, that's their story, and they stuck to it. You know, it was a good reason. But uh, that's basically what happened that escalated into the, to the bombing, and also the company that. Uh, I can't think of the name of it right off, but the company that owned those planes, they did it. Mm -hmm. This didn't exist. So you can imagine the fear of people, you just get mad and the people that own it today, they weren't even born then. They weren't even thought about then. You you don't know uh, who they're related to. You don't know what they stand for. Mm -hmm. But you can better believe that they're they're right. They have a good reason to be fearful of people walking around talking about. This is the company and on those planes that came to bomb you. People are not even thinking. I had a a young lady ask me why why people just now waiting to say something. They didn't say anything long time because that's not true. So I let her tell her what well, she felt about it. And then I waited two or three days and then I, I, I said, I want to share something with you. The lady that you said, why are you speaking up now? She's 20 something years old. She wasn't even spoke of, less known <laughs> they had a voice where she could speak out. She wasn't even born. She wasn't even thought about. Mm-hmm. You know, I asked them, um, my grandmother was a slave my godmother the minister that i was telling you about she's from georgia she's good friends to and grew up with uh her brothers and sisters then with president jimmy Carter, and uh i asked him i knew people personally that had lived through lynchings saw people hanging from trees just went through horrific things it was slaves themselves what i want to ask is why are you so angry why are you so angry? You didn't even know anybody. You say you never heard about it. You can't talk about it. Why are you so angry? They didn't spend their time being angry and trying to think about being vindictive. They spent their time on finding out how to rebuild, how to live, how to survive. How do we get over this? You, you can't. You have to love yourself. When you hate other people. Because that hate will consume you and destroy you. And that's what we were taught. We we were taught love is is, is strange how people would look at a Christian and say, I can't believe that someone killed their loved ones and they're forgiving them. I can't believe that you are in awe of a Christian doing exactly that. But that's just the way we were taught. That was the, the, the mindset and the, the mentality. And we have had a great pride in rebuilding ourselves, doing it ourselves.
0: You're listening to High Tech Sunday, featuring Rayondin Kennedy and Teresa Jordan. Registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. Stay tuned for a message from our sponsor. Running from October 7th through the 9th, 2021, don't miss out on the upcoming Women of Color STEM Conference. Since 1995, the Women of Color STEM Conference has been the premier forum of choice for recognizing the significant contributions by women in STEM fields. General registration opens on April 30th, 2021. Don't miss out on the opportunity to meet and learn from executives who are committed to the advancement of women in the workplace. Again, general registration opens on April 30th, 2021. We hope to see you there. Please visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Again, registration for the 2021 Women of Color STEM Conference is now open. So visit www.womenofcolor.net for more information. Now, back to the show.
1: What would you say is the legacy of uh black wall street today
2: well what i would hope for it to be what it is today it is the legacy of all these people that were either slaves themselves they're survivors of the 1921 they were survivors of the 1921 race right i knew them before they died they were they passed on Survival skills. How how to overcome. How to respect yourself. They did not let other people tell them who they were. You 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 see people jumping up every day, and and you see people that don't look like them. They don't look like us, and they'll tell us who our leaders are, what we stand for. They've got people so confused. You know we 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 have a black man that's intelligent, that's a doctor, that stood up on national TV and made the statement that slaves came over here on a slave ship looking for a better life. Seriously? You got to put me in chains and in bondage and beat me, and and I volunteered to come over here looking for a better life? They didn't let that happen. They, they, when you were born, when you were a baby, they they taught you, and the root of that was that church, and it's so many. It was so many churches on Greenwood. All you different nationalities, uh, different uh, denominations, and they taught you and told you what your worth was. You you didn't hear people back then say we didn't know. Nobody told us. It hurts my heart when I hear somebody say they didn't know black people were in the Bible, with with all the maps that's in the Bible, with the (laughs) Tigris, with the Nile River. You didn't know, you know, you were waiting on somebody to come and tell you, come on. And and everybody wants to say, forget about the past. There's nothing new. There's nothing that has happened that has not happened before. But if you forget, you're gonna be destined to repeat it. Mm-hmm. Our legacy is a rich legacy. How are you gonna let people tell you that you're lazy when you this country was built by your sweat and your tears? But but I, I hear us saying it. People that look like me saying it, our men are lazy. How can you say that? You can't be lazy and picking cotton. You can't be lazy and and, and, fixing, and and messing with sugar cane. You can die from that stuff. It can be very dangerous and you have to be very alert. You, you have a, a White House that was built by slaves. I, I just think that we have a legacy and we need to tap back into it. Mm-hmm. We go back, we have raggedy books but a raggedy book still has a lesson in it. We just need to go back to our basics. And that legacy to me is just a blueprint of how it can be, how you can do, how how you can succeed, how you can survive, how you can overcome. We are not victims. Look at it, the legacy of Greenwood As a roadmap to success, because that's what it is. We have survived a a depression, a massacre, the Dust Bowl, economic distress. People left, uh, a lot of people left and went to California and Chicago looking for jobs and found them. And was very successful. During the Depression, that, that, the history, a lot of things that you find out that uh, I call it being in the valley. Every time that in the Bible, when you talk about like Daniel in the lion's den. See, people talk about the bad stuff that happened. They don't talk about the miracles that come out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what they need to look at. Look at what we did. Look at what we can do. Look at the, the scientific, the mathematics, the engineering. Look at, it's awesome. It's, it's not, if you look at most of the children that have been acknowledged and accepted into all of the major colleges were children of color and they earned it. Look at Greenwood look at what it went through look at what it's going through it does not define who you are you define what it is
1: i was about to say i uh, i'm glad you said uh, a part of the legacy uh, of greenwood of black wall street uh or whatever you want to call it um uh, i was glad you said it's a legacy of of, of success uh because like i said i probably learned about uh uh, Tulsa, uh greenwood uh Probably like six to eight years ago, somewhere around there, for the first time. And I like to think I'm, I'm, I'm probably, I like to think I'm, I'm well versed in my black history. You know, I thought yeah. it out. It wasn't really taught in schools like that, but we, but my parents made sure. You know, we knew who we were, who we came from. Uh, and I've never heard about Black Wall Street until then. I was a little shocked myself. I felt bad. I thought I missed something. Uh, yeah, no,
2: don't don't feel bad though. Yeah, don't feel yeah. bad. And I, and I part of me being seventy three years old is. See, because I lived through that. Mm-hmm. And so of course we knew, but everything was different back then. Mm-hmm. First of all, when what what was talked about in your house stayed in your house. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to worry about getting on the internet, uh listening to your children tell the their, as they say, air oh, your dirty laundry. Yeah. Laundry and yeah we just didn't do it and if we overheard something that we weren't supposed to hear we would never tell it you better not go and tell your parents oh i heard you say sister so and so did such and such you better not but now uh it's it's totally different you could you could tell your children they used to have storytellers that went around telling stories about your history we don't have that anymore. What we have is the internet that actually tells us, tries to tell us about us. How do you know about us? And when I say us, I'm talking about anybody that was around in our community. It it didn't just not start. Coming together, that idea didn't just get here. I have articles and pictures and stories about how we used to go and see the National Council of Churches used to be the National Council of Christians and Jews. But we used to go to different churches with different denominations every year. That would be an event where we would either go over to the white church or they would come over to our church and we would have services and, and together and and uh, eat together. It was totally different. We didn't wait. And, and, and another thing that we didn't do and hear me good. Because I, I don't want it misunderstood what I'm trying to say. Nobody should mistreat our children. No, no police should put his neck for no reason whatsoever. Should you put your knee on somebody's neck? I don't care who it is. But one of the things that they taught us when we were coming up, and that I taught my children, and I think they need to really go back to teaching. If you come home to me and you tell me that an adult or somebody disrespect you or harm you, I need the whole story. I don't want to find out later on. And I'm not gonna even tell you that that's gonna uh make me not defend you or help you out I'll be there for you but how you respond to the wrongness that somebody else does a lot of times will it has a bearing on the outcome and what people think about it you need to respect authority and that's everybody doesn't matter what color you are, what race you are. Because trust me, if you let your children go around disrespecting other people, it's going to eventually come back to your house. Mm-hmm. And then it'll be you that they disrespect. And it's, it's the same way on both sides. I'm not talking about black or white, I'm talking about period. Because there in the United States, you already know that if something goes on in the community, like it could be drugs or anything, unless enough of it gets into a certain population, they don't do anything about it. It's totally detached. But when it gets in your home, it's a different story. And we need to start talking to our young people regardless of the race. And I'm talking about these police officers as well. They it needs to be addressed about brutality before you kill somebody. It needs to be uh, laws need to be passed legislation needs to be passed the system needs to be changed and and see you give somebody the authority to kill somebody and then you want to fight to have them prosecuted when they already have that protection i just i just have to feel like i'm in fear of you i just think you might shoot me you running away from me with my back to you and I'm gonna shoot you in the back. See, all of that needs to be uh, uh, discussed and handled, not after they've killed your child, but before it gets to that point. You need to take it off the table that it's okay for you to even do that, period. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the color the race, and we need to have respect for the laws. But it's hard to respect somebody that is, and I don't mean to, I'm only laughing, but when you think that you can be the president of the United States and say and do whatever you want to do, just because you're the president, that's going to cause a problem.
1: Respect has to go both ways.
2: Yes, it it does. That's in any situation. Mm Yes, it does.
1: Teresa, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Because I know that you have a, a special relationship uh, with my boss, uh, Tyrone Taborn. Uh, can you talk about that, that connection and his connection yes. to, uh, to kind of everything that we've been talking about today?
2: Tyrone is, the, is my cousin. Tyrone was the first. My, my mother, you might as well say that was her first grandchild, even though it wasn't her grandchild. It was her cousin. They would come down to visit us from Chicago, uh, and that's part of our oral history as well. They would come down from Chicago to visit, and Ty was a baby. Uh, From the time he was, even when his mother carried him, she came down and visited. But before then, like spring break, they would have spring break in Chicago, she would come to visit. But we, he was the first baby in our family. You know, like people say now, oh, this is the first grandchild. Mm-hmm. It was the first baby. Because there was a gap between my age and his age. And then, even above that, there are people or cousins and stuff that's older than I am. But when Ty and Lucy them would come to town, it was like Santa Claus coming for Christmas. I mean, you. Can't imagine how excited somebody would be to see a baby. The babies are coming. They the babies are coming. Tyrone loved cowboy boots, <laughs> and he had these big curly locks. So every time he would come, even the people at church, even the people in the neighborhood, or the people that knew us, uh, when, when is the little cowboy coming to town? When is the little cowboy coming to town? And um. Uh, he was just our baby. We loved him. We still love him to this day. When is Tyrone? When you talk about the first grandchild, you're talking about Tyrone. Tyrone and Lucille. But, uh, and he loved to ride around with my stepfather. Would come and get him. They'd just be out in the yard and all of a sudden they'd just disappear. Everybody was looking for Where's Tyrone? Everybody knew him. Everybody in Tulsa knew him. They knew when he came to town, and um, I would just get in the get in the car with my stepfather and go. And his they like uh, donuts and milk, and so we didn't we couldn't have a lot of sweets when we were coming up. We we weren't even allowed to uh, eat a lot of candy. I mean that was just really a treat. So I decided I'm gonna be big. If these little kids, Tyrone, them was sitting around, mom, he was buying them uh donuts and milk. So I bought a quarter of milk and a dozen of donuts. I can't stand donuts to this day because I got so sick for me. <laughs> I'm gonna keep up with the little kids. What tires eating And I just got carried away with the donuts and the and the um the uh. Milk, but also in church. In our church, the babies—we baptize babies in our church. The babies are very special. We honor and we celebrate babies. So when Ty would come, they lived with us for a while, and they were, and and he was actually a member of Vernon AME Church, as they call it now, Historical Vernon. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the church that we were talking about earlier that burned but down. That's the
2: church and, and we were talking earlier. about earlier. He actually was a member there. Your mom and them, uh, came and brought him to church. He was one of the babies of the church. And like I said, they they uh we celebrated children. We celebrated with them. We celebrated every milestone that they had. And if, if he was here during Easter, he had a speech. If he was here during Christmas, he had a speech. And and he was a part of everything and connected to um uh, you know what was going on in the church. Everybody knew it, like I said, it was if it was my mother's grandchild, <laughs> the way that they would do, you know.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh where's the little cowboy? But he looked it didn't matter whether he had on a pair of shorts or he had on a pair of jeans. He had those cowboy. You can you could not separate him from those cowboy boots. And I don't know whether he loved coming to Oklahoma because you know there was a time when everybody just thought if you go to Oklahoma, all you're gonna see is cowboys and Indians. Mm-hmm. But he was so excited he would not come down here without those cowboy boots. He's not gonna let his mama <laughs> take him nowhere. Ty had on those on Sundays. He had on the cowboy boots. He was. The, He was the American cowboy, you know, but he, he was, he was such a loving and, uh, uh, caring, respectful child. I'm I'm not surprised that he, his life has taken the course that he has his compassion toward people, how he, and his respect for women and people, period all races. That's just, that was a part of his legacy that's that 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 uh, my mother and my grandmother would be so proud because that was like i said that was my mama's baby tyrone tyrone came to town i don't you you, i don't know nobody else's name tyrone and lucille because um there's a i think there's a gap between uh their age well there's some older ones and some younger ones mm-hmm. and uh his mom loved coming even when she was a kid coming on spring break and she continued that when she had her her children and I'm so glad that he turned out the way he did because I'm I'm gonna be honest there's a whole lot of successful people that started out at Vernon Amy Church in his and on as a in Black the Black Wall Street experience mm-hmm. they had. And, and when you see him branch out, like he's branched out, and he can even though you don't hear them talking about or bragging about, but if you live through it and you knew them then and you watch the their progress, you can see the influence of that and the history and the legacy that was handed down from those people uh, flow over into their life and it's handed down. The idea of getting an education, the importance of uh, being educated, the importance of uh, making an impact on your community no matter where you live, no matter where they went, they did it now. Uh, even a part of our history in our family is that we don't forget the bridge that brought us over. There's so many different lessons that we learned. And he has been taught he is a multi racial, racial, multicultural background. And um, a lot of people don't understand that when they talk about people passing. A part of our history, old history is we, my grandmother has a sister that according to the old history actually owned the first black store. And like I said, that's old history. And that uh there was uh bombed during the riot and they left here. But when they left, they passed for white. Now, the reason I'm talking about them passing white for white, because the more friends that I talk to, and the more things that we talk, there's a story about um, Tyrone's mother will tell you uh, that when every year, the older people and our family would get together and go on a have a reunion. Now we didn't quite understand why we couldn't go to the reunion, we knew that there were people that had passed for white. And so we just uh, assumed that they didn't want us to know who they were. And later on, Ty's mother, uh, we were talking and they were talking about the lady that they used to go to work with her mom when she would go to work white people's house and they would have children they would all play together and have a good time well it wasn't until her children were actually maybe teenagers before she found out that these white people quote unquote were not just people that her mom worked for it was actually their relatives and see during the the great depression and stuff People would come and just put, you see people and you say, oh, that was really nice of them. White people came and put food and bought money and put it on the porch, rung the doorbell, and the people just got in and come. I was, well, later on, when we found out that those were relatives, they did not pass for white to get away from their family uh, to denounce their blackness. They did it the way you see a lot of other cultures, like the Mexican cultures, the African cultures. You see people from India do it, they'll come, and they will make it successful. They will become successful, but they used the money and the success to help the family. It just so happened that they were light enough to where they could pass and they could do it. Mm -hmm. So we found out later on why the reunion why only certain people could go and it and it and it stayed that way as far as the reunion came even when when uh at the end of segregation even when your whole family knew that group of people that's just something that they did together mm-hmm. And so if you look at and you think about those experiences it's kind of hard for you to Put hate in there. Always wanted to reach out and hurt somebody because they don't look like you, because they don't act like you. They don't walk like you. They don't live in the same place. There was reasons why. People were, and just, some people are just kind-hearted and good, period. You know,
1: yeah.
2: everybody doesn't want to hurt you because they hurt. Hurting, They say hurting people hurt people. Mm-hmm. Some people are very aware and conscious of the fact that Just because I'm in pain, don't mean I have to inflict it on you. But uh, Ty, like I said, Ty is, he is such a, he himself to me is a legacy, a success story, because his humble beginnings started right there in that community. Very much rooted in Oklahoma and Oklahoma history. Mm
1: And Teresa, I can tell you uh I just had my 8 year work anniversary here uh working for Tyrone uh on June 5th and I can tell you mm. he still has a speech for every occasion, every moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just pulls them out of his pocket like I, it's unrehearsed and just right on point whenever whenever yeah. you need it. <laughs> yeah. So, Teresa, uh I'm a, I'm going to give you the last word as as we wrap up here um and kind of What would you like people outside of Tulsa, Oklahoma to kind of, uh, the final words, what do you want to leave them with about uh, uh, Greenwood, Oklahoma?
2: I would like to leave with them uh, the, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, study to show thyself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I would love in this uh, time of seeking knowledge and wanting to know what's going on. Go, Don't just listen to the people that you hear talking. And when you do listen, listen with your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Go find those books. Go look up Addie Faye Gates. Go listen to the story about President Jimmy Carter and a man by the name of William Decker Johnson, and Fannie Hill Johnson. There are books out there, this is not the first time the story has been told. Look and and, and research the first mayor, black mayors, governors, legislatures, you'd be shocked to know that even coming out of slavery, you had governors, you had mayors. Burn the bridges that bounce you over. Make sure that your history is linked and come in. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. If you will be so amazed at a lady that lived to be a hundred and some years old. That was Mrs. Fanny Johnson-Hill, who is the lady that was uh, the delegate to the, to the uh Democratic Convention under President Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. This lady was 101 years old when she died. But when she grew up and she lived in the community with Reverend, with uh, uh, President Jimmy Carter. Now you think about being back 100 years ago. They had their own, they had electricity in their house. They had running water in their house. They had their own electric generator on their property. Way back then if if a little girl by the name of phyllis Wheatley can come over here on a slave ship and entertain presidents and do the things that she did what excuse can you give yourself of not succeeding that's what i want you to remember. there is no excuse when we have so much that we have given so much that we are given So much that we've been through. What excuse do we have to not succeed? We don't. We are a success story. No matter where you live, you come from a rich legacy. And always remember that. Don't let other people tell you who you are. You tell them.
1: Teresa, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you for sitting with us and just giving us this very rich history and this 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 lesson in, in survival and legacy. Um, thank you.
2: Thank you for the opportunity. I am so blessed. A lot of people don't want to listen to old people. <laughs> you know, there's a story in every old person. It's wisdom. Yes. And, and you see this phenomenal little bitty children that's just really telling it.
1: Yeah. And, and, and this is just continuing the oral history that we talked about this entire, this entire conversation.
2: Exactly.
1: exactly. <laughs> All right. Teresa, thank you.
0: And thank you so much. You have a nice day. You too. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of High Tech Sunday. Career Communication Group's High Tech Sunday looks at professional development and technology through the lens of spiritual philosophies. In a time when digital information is more critical than ever, this weekly program is produced by and for CCG's community of alumni and professionals in science, technology, engineering, and math fields. The community runs from national thought leaders to aspiring students. And this weekly series aims to bring a concentrated discussion around technological advancements and achievements based on universal moral principles. The one-hour podcast will be streamed every Sunday. The podcast can be accessed through the BAYA Facebook page, Women of Color Facebook page, and CCG YouTube page, in addition to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Please join us next time. Nominations for the 2022 BAYA STEM Conference are now open. Do you have someone in your organization who goes above and beyond? Nominate them for a 2022 BAYA STEM Conference Award. Please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process. All peer-reviewed nominations are due on August 31st, 2021. All Outstanding Achievement Award nominations are due on October 1st, 2021. Again, please visit www.ccgheroes.com for more details on our nomination process.